sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written from me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and the sin offerings. Then he added, Behold, I have come to you, come to do your will. He does away uh, with the first in the order to establish the second. And by that will he have been sacrifices through the offerings of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stand daily at the service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when the Christ had offered for all the time, all time and single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for the time until the enemies should be made a footstool of his feet. By, the, by a single offering, he has prefer, uh, perfected for all time those who are being sacrificed. And the Holy Spirit also bearing witness to us and offering offer saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, uh, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and the write them on their minds. Then he adds, I remember their sins and their lawlessness uh, deeds no more. Where there is a forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to either the holy places, enter to holy places, um, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the uh, curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over uh, the house of God, let us draw near and true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil uh, conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water, let us hold fast on the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is habit for us, uh, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We'll pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us to the, together to worship you, to adore you, Lord, to learn something from you, Lord. Lord, uh, as we gather here, you speak through us, through them, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. Before we go into the uh, message, just one business item. I published the bands of marriage between Santosh Kumar Kari of Calvary Bible Fellowship, son of Mr. Sai Baba Kari and Mrs. Sai Kumari, and Mathamita of Bethesda Bible Chapel, Kilpok, Chennai, daughter of Mr. Ravindra Kumar, and Mrs. Gayatri Ravindra Kumar. Uh, 
if any of you know cause or just impediment why these two persons should not be joined together in holy matrimony, please inform the elders of this church. This is the second time of asking. Uh, Santosh, thank you for reading it. And thank you also for correcting the pronunciation of your name. His name is Santosh Kari, but not C-U-R-R-Y, K-A-R-R-I. Okay. Uh, today we'll look at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we don't have time to go through the entire section, so we'll confine ourselves to verse 1. Verse 25. We've been looking at the book of Hebrews. It is not too easy a book. First of all, it's um, important to understand that it's written almost in a sermon style where there is some exposition, then comes some, some kind of exhortation. So, exposition, exhortation, exposition, exhortation, it is alternating. So chapter 1, you have exhortation. Chapter 2, 1 to 4, you have um, an exhortation. Then till chapter 3, then chapter 3, 1 to 4, 14, you have the second exhortation. And the third exhortation comes 5, 10 to 6, 12. If you look at all these places, uh, there are people misunderstanding this and uh, coming up with doctrines from that area and arguing with one another. That's not the best way to approach this. So this the, uh, the last exhortation starts actually at uh, verse 19, chapter, not last exhortation, the next exhortation starts at uh, verse 19 in chapter 10 and goes till 39. So here, you have to look at the concluding portion of an exposition which starts in chapter 6 as a, is the biggest exposition it comes to end at chapter 10 verse 18 so if you divide chapter 10 1 to 18 is exposition then 19 to 39 would be exhortation uh, one more important aspect of the book of Hebrews is that each exhortation comes with an exhortation proper, then a very stern warning, and that stern warning usually people misunderstand and bring up new doctrines out of it. So there's a stern warning, and at the end of it, you will find an encouragement. So the basic pattern of this book is almost like exposition, Exhortation, stern warning, and then encouragement. So finally, the uh, author wanted the readers to go ahead, uh, strengthened in the Lord. So we'll, um, uh, chapter 10 is quite easy for most of us here. Uh, especially verses 1 to 18 is quite easy. Uh, if you uh, look at the theme verse there, it would be verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So perfected forever. 
would be the kind of the theme of chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. It is also um, bringing the whole uh, exposition chapter, uh, from chapter 6 till here to a conclusion as well. Uh, the first section of this would be verses 1 to 4, and let's read that portion. Chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image, and not the very image of the sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach. I'm, I'm sorry, my glasses are a little off. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Basically it says, the law was incompetent to take away our sins. So this section says, the law was incompetent to take away our sins. Why? Because it was a shadow and not the very image the word that's used there is like uh, making the shadow on a paper before you put in the colors and bring the image out. Uh, I would like to think more of the architects producing those nice pictures of upcoming buildings that you find on billboards. Those buildings are not there at all. Those trees are not there, but they have come up with that. Okay, so it is almost like that. It is just a billboard. The Old Testament is a billboard, but the real um, thing was, is in the New Testament. You can have many copies of that, but you will have one copy of the real building. In the same way, um, these sacrifices repeated. It says it, uh, here it says it is repeated annually, year, year by year. Later on you will, say, you will see also that. Sacrifices are offered daily. So the year-by-year sacrifices, the probably referring to the atonement sacrifice, and we don't have time to um, go into details of that. So even the atonement sacrifice did not take away the sin, but it was just a shadow of the things to come. So what was it? It was just a reminder. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So it is impossible for the blood of animals to take away our sins. Uh, one of the Bible expositors has uh, said that the Old Testament was like a credit card. There was no deposit yet in the bank, but the, the credit card was operative. Anytime you offer the sacrifice, you were swiping because in future there will be a huge deposit coming in by Christ and God was going to be satisfied with that and 
all the Old Testament sacrifices were just the credit card being swiped against the uh, infinite deposit uh, of, that was going to come. Verse 5 through 10, uh, it is the perfect thing sacrifice. Uh, sometimes it is easy to, very easy to understand, but people uh, kind of get lost reading that. So let's read the quotation that's here from um, chapter, uh, Psalms 40. Uh, Psalm 40 is actually a psalm by David. Uh, and when you look at the psalm, you understand that David knew that he was not talking about himself. For example, it said, in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Which means in the Torah and the Pentateuch, it was written of me. So, definitely David could not have been saying that. So, he, in the spirit of prophecy, um, talked about what Christ was going to do. And he was speaking as if Christ was speaking. So, let's read that here. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you have had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I think the most important uh, thing to understand here is in verse 5. But a body you have prepared for me. And then you find in verse 10, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body. So God the Father prepared a body for his son, Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus offered this body for our sins. And that was the perfecting sacrifice. So in the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 40, God the Father is, is speaking about uh, uh, God the Father preparing a body for Christ the Son. Why? Why did he do that? Because he had no pleasure in sacrifices and offerings that were being made. It again says, burnt offering and sacrifices. The author then explains and says, when he says, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor have pleasure in them. He says, those things which are offered according to the old law, the Lord God the Father had no pleasure. So the Father prepared a body for the Son, and then we find the Son saying, 
Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. And then verse 10, By that will, by that will of God, by which Christ had to come and suffer in the body, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, if you, if you can connect with, uh, just turn the, to the previous chapter, 914, says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? So we have the spirit's role here, the father's role here, and the son's role here. The father prepared the body and also accepted the sacrifice which we see elsewhere. The son offered himself through the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, now if you look at this whole section, we see one word being repeated often. Sacrifices. 10.1 you find sacrifices. Verse 3 you will find it. Verse 5 you will find it. Verse 6. Verse 8. Verse 11, verse 12, and then you'll find that in the, uh, in verse 20, uh, 26 as well. So, um, I thought it would be good for us to have a snapshot of what exactly, how exactly the word sacrifice is dealt with in the scripture. You find it all across, but what exactly does that mean? Um, I'm adopting um, some material from a very known, well-known Bible teacher of Esther years. It says, the sacrifice was, first of all, it was penal. What do you mean by penal? It was a punishment for sin. So, so the, the sacrifice was penal. Second, the uh, sacrifice was substitutionary. The one who suffered the punishment was actually not the person who did the sin. So it was penal, it was substitutionary. Third, it was voluntary. It was voluntarily, um, Christ laid down his life. I think it is John 10 verse 18 probably. He says, I lay down my life on my own account. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own to take it up again. So there is a, uh, it was a voluntary sacrifice. It was a penal sacrifice. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. It was a voluntary sacrifice. Then next, it is a, a propitiatory sacrifice. Propitiatory is, uh, is a word that has come to us from uh, olden days, but. Um, it has a very good meaning, so we'll still maintain that and rather than go on to new words. It just means it pleased God as a payment. God was pleased as a payment for the sins. So um, the penal sacrifice, the sacrifice had to be penal and this was pleasing enough to be the punishment. Next, 
it was redemptive the sacrifice bought us with a price so the sacrifice was redemptive next it was reconciliatory it brought about reconciliation between an angry god and a sinner standing ready for judgment uh two more aspects is it was efficacious or um competent to take away sins in uh, verses 1 to 4 we said it was incompetent to take away sins it was efficacious that means it was competent to take away sins so and finally it is revelatory this sacrifice was not invented by man but god revealed it god manifested it god initiated it and god set forth this for us to see so once again if you go back it was a penal sacrifice it was a substitutionary sacrifice it was a voluntary sacrifice it was propitiatory it was redemptive it was reconciliatory it was efficacious and it is it was revelatory Okay, so um, let's move on. Verses 11 through 14. Uh, here we have that um, key verse that we uh, talked about. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. If you read the whole section, verse 11 onwards, and every priest... stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of god from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified um there's a lot of you can see many points of contrast here for example it talks about daily offerings versus once for all then it talks about sacrifices which can never take away sins and then it talks about a sacrifice that perfects those who come okay so incompetent versus competent when he find a standing priest that stands daily why are you standing because you are ministering and then we find this man referring to christ sitting down at the right hand of god he's finished his work and he's sitting down and it's also beautiful to see as mentions from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool if you look at uh, zechariah there is the uh, and other places as well uh, talks about the branch and uh, in zechariah you see the the high priest was crowned and then um, zechariah makes a prophecy and says the priest shall 
branch out the same way we see christ here as a high priest sitting down now he is branching out and becoming the king of kings and he is waiting the priest the branch is waiting till the enemies are put under his are made his footstool and that will come on the day when christ comes uh, we are not into eschatology and we are not talking about the details of that and um, he uses that thought later on in two places uh, in verse 25 as he exorcises exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching and verse 37 um again for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry so he's talking about the priest coming as the king of kings so that brings us to verses 15 through 18 the last section of the um exposition that we see okay. let's read verse 15 but the holy spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before okay the holy spirit had said something before and now the holy spirit is witnessing the holy spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before what did he say before This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more Now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin Um we can probably go to uh, chapter 8 and verse 10 i can read this for you for this is the covenant that will ma- that i will make with the house of israel after those days says the lord i will put my laws in their mind and i will write them on their hearts and i will be their god and they shall be my people so the same passage from jeremiah chapter 31 is quoted both in chapter 8 and chapter 10 in chapter 8 it is used to say it is used to establish that the old sacrifices the old system the old covenant was obsolete it was becoming obsolete it has become obsolete whereas here the same quotation is used to say that the new covenant is permanent and is here to stay one has become obsolete here we talk about the new covenant here to stay so the holy spirit witnessed through jeremiah long back about this covenant that was to come and what will happen the laws will be written in our hearts and in our minds and we know that right in the morning while we were worshiping the lord 
the the law was written in our hearts and we could worship him in the old testament uh, it was just a priest who could go in but here we are coming and offering that sacrifice directly uh, because it has been written in our hearts of course jeremiah 31 deals um, just more than uh, what is written here about the new covenant so uh, some of, some people can take it and go in different directions uh, but for our current understanding this to say that this particular verse is fulfilled you know there are uh, verses that the lord quotes uh, and if you continue to read that we find that um, if from isaiah chapter in isaiah 61 i think which is probably uh, quoted in luke 4 i had not looked it up today uh, one of the uh, things that uh, the liberation theologians have had used to use earlier was that uh, i have come to uh, proclaim uh, liberty to those in captivity and then it talks about the and also to proclaim the day of vengeance of the lord but when christ reads he does not read of the day of the vengeance of the lord the liberation theologians and uh, and a uh, section of not true christians which was becoming a little violent used to quote both of them together but when uh, christ stops with that we need to understand only that has happened even here if we read the rest of um, jeremiah 31 on to this then we are in trouble and i think many people get confused if you if you ever end up uh, getting confused about that we can talk about it but that's not the uh, thing that we are dealing with right now so we have the witness of the spirit so um, we'll go back and just recap once more verses 1 to 4 it says the law was incompetent 5 to 10 the perfect sacrifice a body prepared by the father offered by the son through the eternal spirit and um 11 to 14 he has perfected that one sacrifice forever there's such a lot of contrast daily versus forever and um, something that was not efficacious versus something that is efficacious a standing priest versus a sitting priest uh, a standing priest versus a priest waiting to be made king a ministering priest versus a priest who has finished his work and again we looked at the sacrifice um what exactly are the different uh, aspects of the sacrifice of christ it was penal it was substitutionary it was voluntary etc that brings us to verses 19 through 25 <clears throat> we'll read 19 to 21 first Therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us 
through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Therefore, since all these things are like this, therefore, therefore, brethren, the exhortation starts. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. See, you can have boldness to enter the presence of God, or you can be trembling while entering the presence of God. Imagine you are driving carelessly and you crossed a traffic light, a red light, and there was somebody crossing the street and you hit that person, killed him by chance. Okay? And then you are scared people will beat you up, so you drive away and then you are caught. You are trying to run away, run away, run away from the law. Very small example. Before God, we were in much deeper trouble. For our God is a consuming fire. I think many of us have heard of all these things from childhood and have just accepted it intellectually, but we rarely understand the significance of that. To people who have grown up in religious systems where they were scared of death and hell, this really comes alive. That their sins are taken away. The familiarity with the gospel is also a danger for us not to understand its significance and make it our own and to have that law written in our hearts and our minds. A mere mere intellectual assent to the truth of the gospel does not guarantee salvation. But if we really understand that this gospel has come to us, that we who were to be condemned have been given mercy, then there is a great confidence to come into that presence. The Old Testament people, they dared not go near anywhere near the holiest of holies. And the high priest also went only once a year. Otherwise, the mercy seat would have become the judgment seat and they would have died there. But with the blood, the atoning sacrifice, the high priest could go once a year and he wouldn't be consumed. The the seat of God, which should have been the judgment seat, was the mercy seat because they went in with the blood of the atoning sacrifice. Now, to us, the, the throne of judgment, the judgment seat, has become the throne of grace. It's so much important for us to understand, especially those who have grown up in Christian homes, 
please meditate on this meditate on the condition that would have been ours if it was not for uh, this redemption i still remember singing uh, as a child this a very famous catholic hymn god of mercy and compassion and uh, one of the stanzas goes like this by my sins i have deserved um death and endless misery hell with all its pains and torments and for all eternity then it also says by my sins i have abandoned right and claim to heaven above where the saints rejoice forever in a boundless sea of love so there is boundless sea of love rejoicing versus hell and its torments it's not just to say ah, i am saved i am safe oh i accepted the lord jesus christ when did you own oh, that uh, vacation bible school oh you know so well that is if if some for some of you it must have really happened during your vacation bible school but have you really really understood that you were going to hell with all its pains and torments and for eternity that the pains would have never ended and from that the lord jesus christ has sought us out and he has given us right and claim to be with him to be with the saints forever once you understand that once you understand god's mercy and say thank you to him that's the point when we all become his if that has not happened if if it was just an intellectual assent to the body of truth that of that our fathers have known we still haven't known the truth that knowing of the truth is in our hearts so therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh all the synoptic um, gospel writers talk about the veil being torn into two and the way opened to the holiest of holies at the death of christ the this author is also alluding to the same when his body was offered up the veil that separated us from god was removed and then there was the precious blood of the sacrifice the sacrifice of christ the blood of christ was there with which we could enter into that holiest of holies and that judgment seat is no more a seat of judgment it's a mercy seat the the god who is the judge on the throne to us opens the throne of grace to which we can draw near at will at any time therefore brethren having boldness have that boldness if you have 
not know the truth, we will not have the boldness. You know, many a time, um, some people, uh, when we when we meet up with the new uh, newcomers, especially students, and um, they are scared to come and meet us, thinking that we are uh, going to penalize them for something. It is just to understand uh, how we can help and who you are and what it is. So it is, you know, our intention is all good and we really want to help you out and uh, to see that you're well plugged in, if we can use you, if we can help you. But uh, those who come, they come with a bit of fear because they have another idea of what it is to be an elder, I suppose. I think the um, the role of a shepherd is to shepherd, and we try to do that, and that's the only reason why we call. Okay, so similarly, while we go to God, uh, do we have the sense of fear, or do we have the sense of boldness? Yes, God is there to help me. Yes, I have sinned, but I go there, he will help me. Uh, before I came to the Lord, I did not have it. And in fact, I, or, um, initially, while I grew up, I thought I would always go to heaven. And then some serious sin came into my life, and I thought I could never, ever, ever go to heaven. And I still remember the first time the gospel was shared with, with me. I cried for at least a week in the night, thinking that I have missed it. And then the next week, um, it was on 19, in 1984... On May 2nd, I can still remember, in a group of um, five, six people, we sat down and I knew that salvation was mine. Do you have that experience? If you have that experience, approach the throne of grace with boldness. Um, Many a time we see the word blood. The body was offered, but uh, when you talk, when you read about all this, we'll see the blood of Jesus. Okay, the blood of Jesus, and it, it is very clear in chapter nine. The blood guaranteed the death, and the blood was sprinkled uh, to confirm a covenant. So, while Jesus Christ offered up His body, the blood shows that He finished His sacrifice. And that blood was there to be sprinkled and uh, for our cleansing. That's why the term blood is, uh, comes again and again. And a passing comment, it says blood of Jesus. So there are some of the very, um, uh, some people are very, very conservative and all that. And some of them say, you cannot use the word Jesus. You have to use Jesus Christ or only, or only Christ after Christ's sacrifice. But if we look at uh, many of the uh, letters, we find that it is used otherwise as well. So uh, let's look at all these things before being dogmatic. That, that was a side note. Okay. Now we come to verses 22, 23, 24, 25. Here there are actually, verse 22 starts with, let us draw, draw near. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast. And verse 24 says, 
and let us consider so three letters okay let us do what let us draw near let us hold fast let us consider uh if you look at it a little more closely let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith let us with faith okay second let us hold fast the confession of our hope let us hope let us have faith let us have hope and uh, next let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works let us have love let us have faith let us have hope let us have love actually the author is probably setting us up for the coming chapters in chapter 11 he talks about the faith chapter 12 towards the end we'll find things about uh, hope for you have not come to mount Z- mount that may be touched but you have come to mount zion talks about hope and chapter 13 starts with let brotherly love continue so it's so it says let us draw near uh, verse 22 says let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith what kind of a heart we have to draw near what kind of heart sincere heart true heart whatever your translation says but what does that mean a heart that depends a heart that trusts you uh, all heard the story of a group of people praying for rain and only one little boy ending up with the umbrella right so if you pray if you have faith we need to have um a true heart that is fully assured of whatever the faith is the body of faith is here of course it talks about faith in christ atoning sacrifice and it also says sprinkling um having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience says a true heart and says our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 8:14 note say conscience of dead works okay just go to verse 8 chapter 8 and verse 14 says uh sorry not it um Uh, 9 and 14 cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living god okay so that's what the sacrifice was for to cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living god christianity is no more a set of do's and don'ts many a time what is wrong with that can we do that is it wrong for a believer too it's not a set of do's and don'ts but it is about a conscience that is clear 
and that wants to serve the living God. Let us draw near with that kind of a heart. Let us not draw near with a heart of drawing a line and saying, Oh, these are permissible. I will go and do this. These are not. I will, I will not. Oh, I want to have entertainment. I have decided that. Okay. Now, what kind of entertainment? Give me the... Now, you have to serve the living God whether you entertain yourself or not. So, the question itself is wrong. Is it right? Can we, maybe, serve the Lord with a clear heart? Serve the living God. So, draw near with full assurance of a faith, with a sincere heart, with a heart that is sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and a body is washed with water, it says. It probably refers to baptism, as in First Peter 3.21. It could also have some reference to the way the priest had to wash every time before they came uh, to the temple. So, come close to the Lord with full assurance. Yes, he is there for me. He is a merciful God. He is a merciful high priest. The judgment seat has become the mercy seat. There is a throne of grace there for me. And because of that, because of that thankfulness, I will serve him. I will not have this evil heart where I want to do my own stuff and then uh, pretend as if I am serving God. Come to God with a clear heart, with a heart that is fully assured in faith, that is not wavering. Let us draw near to him. Again, not a misplaced confidence after an intellectual assent to some truth. What? A heart that is really sprinkled clean. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. There is hope and this is about perseverance. Let us hold fast if we keep on holding, there is something at the end. So let us hold. Many of us um, mistake faith as an event. Faith is not an event that has taken place for me on May 2nd around 5 p.m. 5 p.m. May 2nd on 19, in 1984. You, many of us might have dates like that. Faith is not an event. If you have faith, you keep believing. It is something that you hold on to. If you, if you don't hold on till the end, it means that faith is not there. Right? If you, if you have faith, it is, a, it is a faith that will continue to the end. Otherwise, it's not a faith. Faith is not an event. It is a continuous process in our life. And that faith also comes from the Lord. And if you have just made one prayer sometime and think that 
you have been saved by that one event, I think uh, you might be mistaken. And it says, without wavering, okay, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Um, you remember the story of Elijah, how he was, how he uh, challenged the prophets of Baal and then built up the uh, broken altar of God on Mount Carmel and then he challenges the people. This is what he says. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Without wavering, hold on to him. Without wavering, hold on to the Lord. Are you going to serve yourself? And are you going to have your own way of obtaining salvation, leading your life? Or are you going to take hold of God? How long will you go on limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if yourself is God, then follow yourself and earn your salvation which can never come. Do we waver between trusting God and trusting the flesh? Okay, this is mainly for salvation, but we can also apply it to uh, many other things in our day-to-day living. Do we waver? In living our Christian life when uh, things are very tough, do we still take hold of God and say, yes, God is good? Or do we get into uh, a mode where we attribute uh, all bad things to God as his character? God is good. As we study each of his attributes, it's good. Yes. He is trustworthy. If he gives us a word, that is there. Sometimes we don't understand whether we have a word or not. We proceed in our lives and we don't understand. Why? Many a time we use the word finding God's will. Okay. Actually, it's, isn't it slightly misplaced? It is understanding what God is revealing to us. Are we listening Is God so mean to keep everything secret? No, he calls us as friends and reveals things to us. But if we cannot listen, if you will not listen to the friend and then go around, how do I find God's will whether this is the girl that I need to get married to or this is the boy that I need to get married to? How do I know if if it is God's will that I should take up that job? No. Walk with the Lord, listen to Him, have your consistent life with Him. You will know the truth, you will know His will. Okay. So, um, God's will will be very clear as we have confidence in Him and walk with Him. And when things are very tough, let us look at the hope that is there at the end and move on with um, with a confidence that at the end of our lives we are going to be with the Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of, of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful.
and all those who are children of God here in a very special way. It is possible that God gives you special promises as individuals. And if the Lord gives you promises like that, it's also possible that the enemy will come and cause doubts in your hearts. But if you receive a word from the Lord, hold to it. He who promised is faithful. Only before embarking on that journey, don't attribute your fantasy as God's will. Know what God's will is. If you walk close to him, you will know it. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. If my God tells me I will be here at 3 p.m., he will be there. If John Voges tells me I believe him, I trust him. But he can have an accident and not make it. But, but my God, if he says he will be there, he will be there. Why? He is able to do it. Not only that he is trustworthy, but he is able to do it as well. Finally, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We have talked about this many a time. But um, the important thing here is, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay. The love of God has been poured into our hearts. There is love in our midst. But what are we to do? We come together, stir it up. It is all at the bottom. Stir it up. Huh? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So it does not mean that you come at 9 o'clock is worship, make it by 9, 9, 5, 9, 10, and uh, just before, just after the amen of the prayer, rush out. Is that stirring up love? Huh? If you really enjoy it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you um, have an afterglow of that? And wouldn't you be anticipating towards it? Not that um, we cannot leave immediately after that, but I'm talking about consistent practice as well. Our desire is to run away. Our desire is to come excitedly on the dot of time or a little later. These are attitudes. Okay? If we are to stir up love and good works, spend time with the brothers and sisters. And not forsaking the assembling together, assembling of ourselves together. Not just on Sundays, not just in cell groups, but even otherwise. And with whom you cannot actually meet up face to face. We all have these wonderful devices on, in our hands with 
we often waste time hours and hours watching stuff you start to connect and uh, meet up with people right let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works faith hope love not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another which means exhorting one another which means i am to exhort you and you have to exhort me sometimes they complain this oh no one talks to me hey you are supposed to talk to others no one encourages me you have to encourage others even when we are it has often happened to me even when i feel low i happen to encourage others and at the end uh, at the end uh, i myself am encouraged i'm sure many of you have experienced that haven't you keep so encourage one another when we come together encourage one another not talking about uh, whether modi is going to win or lose or uh, about some uh, movie that has come out or i don't know what we talk about maybe a part of the conversation is all that but at the end of it all we have to encourage one another there has to be encouragement when two of us are there christ is there in our midst the holy spirit lives in you lives in me lives in each and every one and when the spirit is there the spirit unites the hearts gathered together in christ's name not to debate but to encourage not to talk nonsense and gossips and rumors but to encourage one another not to talk about other people how they are bad their um their weaknesses each of us have our weaknesses otherwise we are god a perfect person doesn't exist right and some of my weaknesses are apparent some of them are not apparent if you don't see some weakness in me it does not mean that i don't have weakness so i have no right to be talking about the weaknesses of others and while meeting up with someone else not for rumors not for gossips not to get the grind of the mill that's going around but to encourage one another and a caution here very important caution sometimes we are very much depressed or we got into sin we are feeling so low so we don't want to come man that is the time when you really need it when you are up and up you don't need to be encouraged but your presence is near to encourage and uplift the uplift others but the reason that you are feeling low there is no provision here that is the time when we need a greater push the reason that you don't go for cell group should not be that you are feeling low right it should be the reason that you want to go even more
unless we have genuine reasons um the genuine hurdles uh, a heart that really wants to grow wants to go with the lord will say i want to go and be encouraged i want to go and encourage others so let us not forsake the forsake the assembling of ourselves together whether it's be on a sunday or on other days uh most of the traditional churches from which most of you have come they are very insistent on sunday morning attendance prayer meetings hmm, that's not for us track distribution hmm, not for me i've come for sunday and took part i had the bread and the wine i got distinction do not forsake in the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhort one another and so much the more since the days drawing near so we'll stop here let us draw near with sincere heart sprinkled clean in full assurance of faith are you fully assured in the faith okay and our bodies washed with pure water okay let's hold fast the confession of our hope christ is coming i'm living for that kingdom i'm not living for the corporate that i'm working for i'm not living for the money and the emoluments that i get from the company that i work for i'm not rearing my children to make money like i did those are all incidental though if i get all those things are incidental i live for a kingdom to come i bring up my children not to vie with other kids i build them up i bring them up i teach them i educate them to be citizens of the next world let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and he will do it and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching and then the um warning is there not going into that warning but a warning that applies to all of us a couple of weeks back um, george had shared about the way people had gone into terrible sin here and in both the cases that we mentioned one of the patterns was the neglecting came for the assembling together but not with full heart sometimes they skip but when they came they always did not remain back for the single study or the other thing never okay your heart should be there for stirring up love and good works we didn't talk about good works 
stirring up love and good works. If you don't have this as our backups, we are going to fail. We are going to fall. The fellowship is there for us to be standing firm in the Lord. Fellow, not fellowship alone, but here, it's a very important thing that's being made. Have fellowship with one another. In meetings, in uh, private meetings, whenever, whenever you have opportunity. If you have extra holidays, extra time after work, have it. I think that's how I grew um, while I, I was working in Bilai and sometimes my work hours could go even to 24 hours and 48 hours. But even then I always made use of opportunities to go and visit people, encourage them and be encouraged by them. And that is uh, one of the main things that make you grow. For those who are struggling in faith, please take this very seriously. Have fellowship. It's far, yes. Um, I used to bicycle for around 10 kilometers just to go and encourage others. Um, you know, before I got a scooter, I used to bicycle and go meet up. Now I can see the foot. It is difficult. Now at least you don't have to bike around. You can bike on the motorbike. It might be far, it might be inconvenient, but you can, things are much more easy these days with all the inconveniences. And even if it was difficult, make effort, put effort to go for cell groups, to meet up with other brothers, go and uh, visit them. Let us consider to stir up love and good works. Let's pray. Father, we commit ourselves into your hands and want to ask you that you help us to be stayed on you. Thank you that you became the perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you, Father, for preparing your body for your son. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you obediently took up the form of a human servant and became obedient and death on a cross. Thank you that you offered up yourself by the eternal spirit to the Father to cleanse our evil conscience to serve the living God. Help us not to serve ourselves. Help us to serve the living God. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be focused on the witness of the Spirit that is within us and fan into flame all that he provides in us by giving free reign to the Spirit of God within us holding fast of the confession of our faith, not ashamed of confessing it before people, holding fast to the hope that we have and encouraging one another and making sure that love abounds in our midst, that good works abound in our midst. 
Thank you, Father. In Christ's precious name.